Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, right here on Voice America, voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Uh, This is our 21st year on Voice America, and very happy to be here. This is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and make your dreams come true, and that's always been my mission. And today I have a fabulous guest talking about all of this in terms of how do we present ourselves and speak you know, in a way that um, inspires people and captivating, captivates people. My guest is Peter George. His brand new book is The Captivating Public Speaker, Engage, Impact, and Inspire Your Audience Every Time. Peter George is a public speaking coach. He specializes in helping professionals, public speakers, authors, consultants, and executives become confident and credible every time they speak in public, whether they are speaking on stage meetings and or selling to prospects. And in his book, The Captivating Public Speaker, he uses his proven AMPD framework and other dynamic public seeking strategies to help you really perfect this craft. Welcome, Peter. Hey, Patricia. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, thank you. You know, I have to ask you this first of all, Peter. You know, public speaking for many people is the greatest fear. For people like you and me who've done it a lot, you know, it's a gift. But, and I know you struggled with this in the beginning, which we'll talk about later, but, you know, how do you help people be a public speaker when they're afraid of public speaking and it's a big fear? How do you break through that? It is a big fear. I don't believe it's the biggest fear, like a lot of people say. If you're falling 30,000 feet out of the sky in a silver (laughs) tube, you'd much rather be speaking in front of others. But it's something that, is within us for various reasons. Part of it goes back to caveman days. Part of it goes back to how we were raised. Don't speak while others are speaking. Don't speak while adults are speaking. Uh, Don't speak till you're spoken to. We get this don't speak, don't speak, don't speak. We have this fear in us or this nervousness. So what I do with my clients is change mindset. Mm. And when their mindset changes and they understand that What's happening to their body and mind when we we get nervous, the adrenaline that's flowing, what it does to us, our heart beats faster, we get sweaty, blood pressure increases, our mind gets uh, super aware Mm -hmm. of what's around us, memory decreases. All these things happen to all of us. And when they realize that's happening to everybody and they can learn to take it and say that energy is good energy as opposed to labeling it as bad energy, nerves, Mm. fear, and an opportunity to do something that our body is getting us ready to do. And it's the same adrenaline an athlete would feel when they're getting ready for a big moment or a big game or whatever it might be. It's that same feeling. So I actually have my clients transform from wanting to get rid of that feeling to embracing that feeling and understanding it's a good thing for them. Yeah. Also, too, isn't it another part of what you do is having them look at the end goal. So, for example, let's say that you're afraid to speak. 
but you really have an important message to deliver because, you, you know, it's for a charity or it's for a foundation or something that's really important. So you work through that fear because of the end goal. Is that part of what you do, too? Definitely. The end goal makes a difference, and it's working through that obstacle, obstacle that you're facing. And that's with most of us. I don't know many people who have something that's worthwhile as, as a result they're trying to get to that don't have some obstacle in the way. So no different than someone who has to, uh, whatever it may be, in, in another industry, this is getting over or through or around this particular obstacle. And when you work with people, they suddenly realize that it's not as difficult as they had envisioned. Interesting. Now, Peter, in your own life, you had an obstacle, even with public speaking. Tell us about that. (laughs) Uh, I grew up with a lisp and a stutter. Mm. And, you know, when you grow up with a lisp and a stutter in an urban setting, there are two things you tend to do, or at least I did. One was keep your mouth shut, and the (laughs) other was become very proficient in sports. So I played football, baseball, and hockey, so I was playing sports year-round. And if you were good in sports, you didn't get picked on. So I never got picked on with my stutter, mm. ever. So, and I know a lot of kids who had it or people had do, but I was very fortunate in that way. But it helped me grow up very shy and very introverted. Mm. So, and I'm still both of those things. How did you know overcome that, Peter? I over, well, I had uh, therapy. And what was therapy back in the 60s is not what therapy is today, believe me. But it worked. By the time I entered high school, the lisp and the stutter were all but gone. You can still hear both, or at least I can, if you listen closely. So that'll happen. But it wasn't until I got out of school and went into the corporate world that I realized that I had to learn to present well. My job, which was an, an amazing job, actually depended on it. Yeah. So Peter, I when it go, came to the point... Yeah? Go ahead. I, I want to go back to something you said, though. When you said, you know, therapy wasn't in the 60s the way it is today. What was it that was done? I mean, did you have to keep talking over and over and saying words over and over? How? What was it like, the process? <laughs> Every Tuesday morning in the fourth grade, starting with the fourth grade, I went to this room for an hour with this woman there who... When I walked in, she never told me why I was there, what I was supposed to do, who she was. All she said was, repeat after me. And she had me saying certain things and doing torturous tongue twisters and all these things to the point where I was in tears. And then when an hour was up, she said, I'll see you next week. Close the door behind you. And the next week I'd walk in, she'd say, shut the door, stand there, and we'd do it all over again. That was the conversations we had. There was no, there was, there were no feelings or emotions involved, Uh, at least not on current. uh, All right. So uh, so I'm going to, here's the next question. So what made you keep going? You could have gone home and said to your parents, I can't do this anymore. I'm crying and and this is awful, but you didn't. How did you get through that? That's that's painful. That's exactly what I did. I went home and said exactly that. And And my parents said, you'll get through it. Yeah. And they were right. So they encouraged you. It was a different era. Yeah, my parents were great. I had awesome, absolutely awesome 
And but they were very much you can do this. You you're not going to. I'm not going to stand up for you in this. I'm not going to help you back out of it. If this is what the so-called experts believe you need to do, this is what you will do. Well, it worked, Peter. And they were all right. I mean, it worked. It as you said, it isn't what right. you would. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not the way you would do it today. But, you know, it's, it certainly did work. Yeah, interesting. So let's fast forward. So now you, um, you learn this, but then you said you got some coaching later on when you got in the corporate world in terms yes. of presenting. So go ahead. Yeah, I went for group training, which was my first stop along the, the journey. And that was very good. But it wasn't, once I got involved, I said, I want to be better at this. And group t- training was good. But it didn't get me now where I wanted to go. So I was going from one extreme to the other now. And then I went for personal coaching, and that made a world of difference. Mm-hmm. That, that was, that's what put me over the top. And that was very different from what you had as a kid. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I learned to embrace the feeling you get, that energy you get, and turn it into a negative energy or seemingly a negative energy into mm-hmm. a positive energy. And when you go out there and understand that it's not about you as a speaker, we think it is, it's not, we're nothing but a vehicle. When yes. we get that idea and, and understand that, that it's not about us, it's all about the audience yes. and the benefit to the audience, right. everything changes. Changes, absolutely. Everything changes. It, uh, it takes the weight off our shoulders, right? Yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. Where most of us uh, who are nervous saying, what if I make a mistake? What if I... Forget what I want to say. What if I can't engage them? What if I, 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 I? Right. That's where the goal well, it's not about I. Right. That's where the overall goal. I have to mention this because as you're speaking, I keep thinking about the movie The King's Speech, which I'm sure you saw, which was yes. about Queen Elizabeth's father who had a stutter and what he went through. And comment on that and how that relates. Well, the funny thing is I saw that about three months ago. Interesting. Now, that's been around for years, and I yes. just couldn't watch it. For whatever reason, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Mm. And I didn't. It's an excellent movie, but I felt for him all the way. As I do anybody who's going through, well, yeah, anybody who's going through anything like that, but in particular, a stutter a or a lisp, mm. you know, and, mm. and speaking of the English with stuttering, uh, mm. Winston Churchill had a lisp and a stutter. Mm. And he did okay in his public speaking. Yeah. Well, it was interesting that movie, and it's something you described with your, you know, with the coach after you got into business, is that, um, you know, George, King George, really relied on his teacher. And they stayed friends for years after that, as we know, but um, he really relied, and it was the teacher um, who really helped him. And I think you kind of alluded to that with that personal coaching that you had, where George knew that that person was really there for him, no matter what. Yeah, and that's a coach. That's what a coach is. I don't believe a coach is a trainer. I think you can be both. I am. I do corporate training. But a coach is someone who works with someone, and it goes beyond what they're teaching them, at least Mm -hmm. in my mind. I, I have clients that we're close friends now. Uh, whether they're here in the U.S. or some, another country around the world. But we stay in touch and exchange greeting cards and things like that. But, uh, Patricia, the coolest thing about 
becoming a better public speaker is not mm. necessarily the skills that you learn. It's the confidence that you gain, and that yes. confidence permeates other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your body language, right? The way you carry yourself. The way you carry yourself, the way you feel about yourself, the way you feel about entering situations that you might not otherwise have been comfortable in. So, like I said, a lot of people who know me wouldn't understand that I'm both shy and introverted because they see me as outgoing and extroverted, and I'm neither one of those things. But it's it's what I can do in a particular situation where I need to do that. So the confidence that comes along is just... It's it's just so empowering. That's my favorite part. The 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 speaking skills, sure. But that confidence that I see, I see a light bulb go off. And I know that people have it. And that's that's my favorite part. We're going to take a break in a minute and come back and talk about, you know, what are some of these public speaking skills you can implement, the body language to enhance your words, storytelling, you know, and we're going to talk more about the process of being a real captivating speaker. Peter, I know you have a brand new book. So um, it's called The Captivating Public Speaker and Engage, Impact, and Inspire Your Audience any, Every Time. Uh, how can people find that book? They can find it one of two ways. They can go right to Amazon and search for it, or they can go to my website, petergeorgepublicspeaking.com. There'll be a link there that will take them to the sales page on Amazon. And tell them more about the book as well. Yeah, which is really, really great. Um, and you've gotten a, a lot of comments about your book. Um, you know, one one is, um, here's one, you know, sharing your message with the world is not easy. It takes measurable preparation and immense dedication, but it's worth it. And then it talks about how the book does a brilliant job in really sharing and dissecting what you need to deliver a compelling message. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment. If you know, what do you really need to deliver that compelling message? Okay. And so we're going to talk more to Peter George. Again, he's a public speaking coach, specializes in helping professional public speakers, authors, consultants, and executives become confident and credible every time they speak in public, whether they're on stage, in meetings, or selling to prospects. And he'll talk about his proven AMPD framework. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. And we will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. 
From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and we are back. I'm Patricia Raskin, and welcome back to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest today is Peter George. His brand new book, Hot Off the Press, is the captivating public speaker. Engage, impact, and inspire your audience every time. So if you're struggling to be the speaker you want to be, you know, you can learn how to go from being a speaker who merely informs your audience to one who really transforms your audience. My guest is Peter George. And um, he has, has been a public speaker for a long time. Um, and he uses his proven AMPD framework and other dynamic public speaking strategies to help you really perfect your craft. All right. And so let me share a little bit more about Peter. He's a public speaking coach. He specializes in helping professional public speakers, authors, consultants, and executives become confident and credible every time they speak in public whether they're on stage, presenting in meetings, or selling to prospects. And we'll talk about the AMPD framework. Welcome back, Peter. Good to be back. All right. Now, I have a question I was just thinking of as I was reading this. What if someone's listening to this interview, Peter, and, you know, they're not a salesperson, they're not in business, they're not an author, they're not a consultant, but, you know, they're a parent, they're a grandparent, and maybe they're not getting their message clearly across. Can this be for... The person who's not in this kind of profession that has to deliver these talks. It could be because engaging someone is engaging someone. Of course, circumstances change things to one degree or another. But to understand why you're speaking to someone and more so what you want them to get out of it, it doesn't matter the situation. That's what communication is. And often we forget that. We often think about what we want to say as opposed to, what it means to the other person, and what they're going mm-hmm. to get out of it. Yeah, very good. Good. All right, let's stop, start talking about a framework that you designed called AMP apostrophe D, which stands for audience, message, presentation, and delivery. So the first one is audience. Talk about that. Audience is everything. It's all about the audience. As I said in the other segment, it's not about us, it's about the audience. So there are questions you want answers to before you can design a presentation 
that will resonate with them or that will benefit them. Questions like, who are you speaking to? In business, we might be speaking to an audience that's made up of marketers, IT people, and finance. Well, people in those three different segments are looking for different benefits. So you have to know who you're speaking to so you can design your presentation appropriately and address their needs and wants. And that's the other thing. It's not just their needs. It's their, their wants. What do they need to know? And that's what we always think of about presentation. But what do they want to know? There are certain things your audience is going to want to know that matters to them. And if they don't get that in a presentation, they don't feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And how do you want them to feel? That's another question you want to answer because most of us don't in a presentation. I'm going to talk about what I need to talk about or what I believe they need to uh, hear, and that's it. Well, are you trying to boost confidence? Are you trying to get them to look at a di- something differently? How do you want them to feel? Do you even want them to feel to light a fire under their butt to get them motivated? Feelings matter. And then what's the benefit? What is the overall benefit to this particular audience? When there's no benefit, that's when we get, oh, my God, Peter could have just emailed a PDF to us. Mm-hmm. There's no reason my... for me to take an hour of my life that I'll never get back. But here's a question, though, Peter. You want to know, you know, you want to understand how they feel. How do you know you're delivering the right information and the right message to that audience? How do you know that? Well, the only way to get to know that is to ask them. I have mm-hmm. clients who, who call me, especially at the beginning, and say, hey, I'm speaking to this group. How do you, you think they should benefit? And my answer to my clients is, I have no clue, nor do you, till you ask them. And you can ask the person who hired you to speak, if that's a meeting planner or a vice president, whomever it may be. Ask them, what is, what is this about? What do you want them to take away? So the answers lie with them, not with us. We can't get up and present about anything we want to present about because that won't necessarily resonate with that particular audience in that particular circumstance. They have the answers. All we have to do is ask. So that's where prep calls and talking to them and talking to the organizers, that's where that comes in, correct? Exactly. I talk to the organizers, the champions of this initiative, whatever it might be, the naysayers. I talk to them all and try to get the different perspectives. I learned certain things about this organization, so I can put that in my talk. I even ask people who are going to be in the audience what their concerns are with this particular topic. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. at that point, I can design my presentation to address those particular concerns as opposed to missing all those particular concerns and having them feel unfulfilled. It's very good. And another thing I want to do in the A, the audience, in the AMPT framework, is what do I want them to do now? What's that first step? We often leave that out. We'll give them a concept. Got to lose weight. What's the first step to losing weight? They may not know that. You may not have covered that. You may have covered it and uh, it gone by too quickly. The last thing you should do is tell them that first step of what you want them to do or think. Mm, really important. So the second one is message. And you've talked a little bit yes. about message with audience, but 
because we've talked about how do you know it's the right message. And one of the things you said is you talk to people, you ask questions. Share more about the message. Right. Well, the message actually is your main point and your talking points. So it's not the actual presentation as we're thinking about yet. So based on the answers you get from the audience ahead of creating your presentation, you can now come up with your main point. And your main point is not a topic or a subject. Your main point is something you could argue or propose or suggest or just believe in. So if you said, I, I, let's say you're going to talk about taxes, what's the main point? Taxes. That's not a point. Well, I think we can lower taxes. It's still not a point. But if you say, I believe we could maintain our services, if not increase them, and still lower taxes, now there's something that can be argued, can be suggested, proposed, something you believe in. That's a main point. And you can't have your talk, create your talk, till you know what your talk points at. Mm-hmm. Hence, talking points. And so when you have your main overall arching umbrella, whatever you want to call it, main point, now you can come up with your three talking points. Here's how and we're going to increase services, maintain taxes, if not lower them, and uh, set ourselves up to continue this in the future. Those might right. be your three main talk or your three talking points. All right. However, you had said before that you want to find out what the objections are. So, do you add a point in there about what someone objected to? Does that come into this? Yeah, that could be a complete talking, one of your three talking points, or depending on the length of your talk, you can have three sub points, right, that flesh out the information in each of those talking points. So if people have objections or don't believe it's possible or want to know uh, how you'd overcome certain things, well, that would go into the the sub points. So you could say we could raise our uh, services to the community Now, a lot of people might not believe this is true, but here's how we are going to overcome those obstacles, and then you can address that. So under your main main point, you have three talking points, and each talking point has three sub-points. Generally, not hard and fast, but generally. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about message? Now, those are the main things about message, because now you can create, we can move on to the P, the presentation. Okay, this is the, the part third one. most of us think about. Right. So this is what, how you're going to open your talk, how you're going to close your talk. Yeah. How you're going to transition from one point to the next, one talking point to the next. This is where this all comes into play. So this yeah. is where you actually create it. And again, it's all based on your talking points, which is based on your main point, which is based on the information about your audience for that particular talk. Mm. So, how? Let's talk about that. Let's break that down. So, sure. the open and the close and the middle. Um, should you tell a story when you open? Should you tell a joke? Should you get right into the presentation? Should you have a PowerPoint? Should you have just pictures or a little words on the page rather than a lot of words on the PowerPoint or no PowerPoint at all? Um, how do you close it? Do you need music? What do you think? I guess all the above, depending on the person. (laughs) 
Those are a lot of questions. Most of, most of it is depending on the, the audience because everything comes yeah. to, I can't answer without knowing the audience and what the intended benefit is for that audience. Everything right. comes from that. But there are different ways you can open. You could open with a question. You could open with a story. Don't open with a joke. As a matter of fact, don't tell a joke. Add humor. Awesome. Like why, humor. Peter? Why, why no, do you say don't do not tell, tell jokes? Joke. Why? Most of us aren't good at it. Yeah. Most of us are not good at telling jokes. And now you're adding in, yeah, they go, well, you know, I can tell that joke in my living room and everybody laughs. But now you're in front of 300 people, your adrenaline's flying a mile a minute, your timing's off, and a joke is all about timing. Without mm. timing, there is no joke. Don't tell a joke. Jokes fail more, much more often than they succeed. But a story Again, to adding illustrate humor, your point. A story to illustrate your point is good. Yes. A story is a different. Yeah, a story is a different story. Stories are awesome. We immerse ourselves in stories, books, magazine articles, television shows, movies. We have stories around us all day long. The problem is most of us tell an anecdote, not a story. And the difference is a story has a moral to it. A story has conflict. An anecdote is usually an amusing little tale. So stories are extremely powerful, but you have to have conflict. Think about the uh, what Hollywood's been using for 100 years now. Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back, boy and girl live happily ever after, or any variation thereof. What would it be Mm -hmm. if boy meets girl, boy gets girl, they live happily ever after? I see. It doesn't have the conflict. No conflict. It's not a compelling story. No one's sitting on the edge of the seat wondering how they're going to get back together again, if they're going to get back together again. So you have to have that conflict. All right. I want to give you an story. Go ahead. I want to give you an example, and you can be a coach here, but I think this is a good example. Keep coming to my mind. So before I give my presentation on how to cope with challenging people or difficult people, I tell this story, and it's very short. So we have a turtle and a snake, and they're at the lake, right? And the turtle, the snake says to the turtle, Mr. Turtle, will you please carry me over to the other side? And the, and the turtle says, I'm not going to do that, Mr. Snake, because you're going to bite me. And the snake says, but I'm not going to bite you, Mr. Turtle. Please take me over and keeps coaxing the turtle. Finally, the turtle says, okay, I'll put you on my back. So the turtle puts the snake on the back. They get over to the other side. And what do you think happens, Peter? He bites him. The snake bites the turtle. And the turtle says, Mr. Snake, why did you bite me? You promised me you wouldn't. And the moral of the story is, the snake says, I'm so sorry, Mr. Turtle. I can't help it. That's my nature. And that was the whole preface to difficult people. You're not going to change them. That's their nature. They'll change if they want to. So I think that that has worked for me. But that's just an example. Would you say that's an example of of a story that would work? If it, if it works for you, that's awesome. And that's, that's the whole point. You have to find what works. So many people, again, tell anecdotes, not stories. And anecdotes are fine. Anecdotes serve a purpose. And, and uh, you know, But going into story, especially in business, well, anywhere, but especially in business, we think, oh, you know, it's, stories don't belong here. What better way to get your point across to your sales team or your IT team or your management team 
been telling a story of where someone tried something and it didn't work, and they tried this, and that did work. Mm-hmm. And the results from that, and that's what you want your team to do. They're facing the same obstacle. You want them to overcome that obstacle. Stories work. Nuts and bolts. All the stuff we tell people. You know, we, got, we have this initiative where we, we're up 3%. Where That's all nuts and bolts, and you can't digest nuts and bolts. We forget that stuff the moment we leave. Yeah. Stories stick with us. Absolutely. There was... Um Giblet. Giblet is a, a company that does a lot of podcasting. And in the very beginning, Alex is his first name, but he was he created Gimlet. And they did a, a podcast. I'm going back five years. And it was about, I think it was called Startup. And they basically told the story of everything they went through to start up. I mean, from getting rejected to even even taping phone calls, Peter, with you know CEOs that said, your idea is crazy. It'll never work. And then he'd come back and he'd say, can you believe that phone call? And yet, you know what? We're still continuing. And I remember those because it was so visceral that he actually took you on his journey so you could feel what he was going through when they had to eat beans because, you know, they weren't making money. Now they're a multimillion dollar company. But that I remember that podcast series so much because of those stories that were real, what they went through. Right. And, And most of us can't remember you know, how many millions of dollars in particular they might have been talking about on a particular deal or what date exactly. it was. Exactly. Or that stuff doesn't stay with us. If it, if it did, we'd all get A's through school. That yeah. stuff does not stay with us. So all right, we're gonna, tell stories. Stories matter. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the fourth uh, piece of the framework. We talked about A, which is audience. We talked about a message, which is M. We talked about presentation, which is P. And now we're going to talk in the next segment about delivery. How do you deliver your presentation? Body language, words, tone. How does that all tie in? My guest today is Peter George. And he uses his proven framework and other dynamic strategies to help people really perfect their craft. He specializes in helping professional speakers, authors, consultants, and executives to become confident and credible every time they speak in public, whether they're speaking on stage, presenting in meetings, or selling to prospects. We'll be back with Peter George uh, with his brand new book, Captivating Public Speaker, The Captivating Public Speaker, Engage, Impact, and inspire your audience every time. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? 
And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and we are back. We are talking today about public speaking and the amazing skills that we need when we speak in public, um, and also this can apply when we're just communicating with people in our lives. My guest is Peter George, and he's the author of the brand new book, Hot Off the Press, The Captivating Public Speaker, Engage, Impact, and Inspire Your Audience Every Time. Peter George is a public speaking coach. He specializes in helping professional public speakers, authors, consultants, and executives to become confident and credible every time they speak in public, whether they're on stage, present, present. You know, presenting in meetings or selling to prospects. And it can also help anyone who just wants to communicate better. All right. And Peter has developed this framework called the AMPD framework, which is audience, message, presentation, and delivery. Uh, welcome back, Peter. Thanks, Patricia. All right. So let's talk about, we were talking about presentation. So before we talk about delivery, one of the things I didn't ask you is when you're presenting, should you use a PowerPoint presentation? You know, should you have mostly pictures? I mean, there's a lot of controversy about having fewer words on the page or should you just have pictures or should you have no pictures? What do you think? Okay. Well, should you use PowerPoint? And the answer is going to be, it depends. It depends on what that PowerPoint can do for your presentation. If, it, if each slide isn't supporting and fostering the point you're making at that moment, it doesn't belong there. Okay. Most slides can be taken out of a presentation. We also have to understand there's no such thing as a PowerPoint presentation. There are PowerPoint slides. There are PowerPoint slide decks, but there's no such thing as a PowerPoint presentation. You are the presentation. You are the presenter. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. slides are there to help foster your point be the main uh, objective. So uh, you said there's controversy over whether there should be a lot of words or not. There's really not much of a controversy controversy at all. I don't know of anybody who says there should be a lot of words on a slide. No one who studies it at all. 
anyway, it should be images for the most part. Because what happens is when we put words on a slide, we say, well, you know, people are visual animals. They want the words. Words are not visual. Images are visual. Words are an equation that must be solved. No different than a mathematical equation. And do you want someone taking the brain power to solve an equation when they're supposed to be listening to you? Can't do both. The audience cannot do both. So while they're reading those words, they are not listening to you, and they're missing out on what you're saying. So generally, you keep it to images. Generally. There is sometimes that you wouldn't, but generally you keep it to images. But most of the time, I, I ask my clients, argue the slide. Tell me why that slide needs to be there. Yes. And often they talk themselves out of it. I do a 90-minute presentation that I'm asked to do quite often. I have two slides. Really? Yep. And one of them is my ending slide that has my QR code on it. Mm -hmm. So basically, in the the talk itself, there's a slide that is up for, oh, if it's up for 90 seconds, I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. That's it. Other than that, it's me talking. So you don't need people go, oh, I'm doing a presentation. I have to get slides. Do you? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But even if you do, those don't come till after you create the presentation. Mm-hmm. Because how can you determine which slides to use if you don't know what you're presenting? Very good. So, again, it's really depending. Mean, everything you're saying today is it depends upon the audience, their needs, um, you know, what, what the content is. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of what ifs in this. It's not one size fits all. I mean, you have to pay attention no, to the audience, be. the message and the presentation and delivery. But it varies. It, it, it's all depending on that A in the AMP framework. It's all depending on that A. The questions you want answered, and I have six of them in that framework, the questions you want answered about the audience, everything else comes after that. Mm-hmm. It has to, because that's the foundation. Can we build a house on a vacant lot with no foundation? 100% we could stop building it tomorrow. Six months from now, is it going to perform well? Maybe not. Probably start to settle, especially after rain and snow. The walls will start to crack. The doors won't close correctly. The windows won't be able to be opened. You still have a house, and that's what people do. They don't base a foundation on the audience in that particular mm-hmm. situation. They just create a presentation and say, this is the one I'm going to use 90% yeah. of the time. And, yep, do they have a presentation? They surely do. Is it working for that audience? Probably not. What I want to do is move on to delivery, and then I want to go back to those six questions that you ask your audience, because that's really the whole crux of it at the beginning. But let's talk about delivery style, Peter, which is body language, tone, words you use. Let's talk about delivery. Okay. You're talking about delivery. Again, it depends where you are. Are you in the front of a room? Are you up on stage? That's all going to matter, because you want to use the space you have. You don't want to just pace and move for movement's sake, but if you have a large stage, staying in one place probably is not the most advantageous thing for you or the audience. And standing behind a lectern is definitely not. Get out mm-hmm. from behind furniture. Mm-hmm. So And make, a, make contact with people. But people will say, 
I, I use my hands too much. Well, you probably don't. We communicate with our hands. Patricia, when you're at a, uh, a red light and there's a car in front of you and you can see hands moving in a conversation between two people, odds are you can tell if that's a good conversation or not. If hands are very adamant and, and sharp movements and all, that's probably not a nice conversation going on. But if they're kind of light and free-flowing, you know, they're having a nice conversation. We communicate with our hands even when we can't hear. I'm communicating with my hands now, even though you can't see me, your listeners can't see me. Mm-hmm. We communicate with our hands. It comes through our voice. As far as stance goes, stand up straight. Feet, shoulder width apart, give or take. Shoulder width apart, not together. You're making yourself a small target. You're trying to get smaller. Stand proud, and everything your mother told you was right. Stand up straight, look people in the eye, take your hands out of your pockets. Your mom was right when it came to public speaking. So do those things. You'll appear confident. You'll feel confident. People will listen to you. You can be more engaging, and then you can benefit them. Absolutely. So that's important. And what about the words we use? I mean, we can get away with more with our body language and our tone than if we're just on paper with words because that's our own deliveries, only delivery style. But how closely should we pay attention to our words? Words matter, but in, most people take that to mean, well, I have to speak more eloquently. Let me tell you, if, if your listeners can't tell by now that I am not an eloquent speaker, uh, they only have to listen a few more minutes to realize that. I grew up not wanting to speak. My vocabulary is not huge because of that, even though I went to good schools. But you want simple words anyway. One, two, maybe three-syllable words. You don't want uh, complicated words, sophisticated words. It's not that your audience isn't intelligent. It's they're trying to take a lot in, and the simpler we make it, the more they can digest it and process it. Mm-hmm. So don't speak for you. Speak for your audience. In all cases, we, all go, we, we constantly go back to that. It's all about the audience. Well, and let's go back to that. Let's go back to the audience again, because you have six points before you even start. That you Six questions. Right. So the first question is, what's the scoop? And scoop, scoop is situation, challenge, occasion, opportunity, or problem. Why is this taking place? And it could be two or more of those. could be just one of those. could be a, a problem is sales are down. Well, that also creates an opportunity to do something different and try something else. It could be an occasion, a 25th anniversary of the company, whatever it might be. Why are we here? Because that sets the tone. If you're celebrating the 25th year of the company, that's a completely different tone than if you're laying 300 people off right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. Tones change. Words then change. What you say changes. Your message, the points, the main point, the talking points are going to change. So that's the first one. Again, how do you, what do you want them to know and what do they want to know? What they need to know and what they want to know, give them both. That matters. A lot of people don't realize that. They think, oh, I just have to give them what they need to know. No, give them what they want to know. 
So, but again, but again, how do you determine that? I guess that's from the questions, right, that you ask in the pre-interviews. This is all from the questions. That's where you get them from, because they'll give you the answers. So, uh, so those are the first two. You also want to know who'll be in the audience. Again, uh, I'll give you an example. When I speak about the benefits of public speaking, it's a completely different talk, even though the idea is the same. But if I'm speaking to middle management of a major corporation, that's a different talk mm-hmm. than if I'm speaking to seniors at a college who are about to go out into the world. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Same. Topics the same. Mm-hmm. Benefits right. the same. Maybe. Talks but the process is different. Correct, Peter? The process is different from speaking to the executive, from speaking to the person who's about to be in the job market but isn't there yet? Well, it depends on what the answers say. Mm -hmm. The process might be exactly the same if that's what the answers say. So um, how do you want to make them feel? We talked about that. Most people don't take that into consideration. How do you want to make them feel? Is that saying about people who long forget uh, the knowledge you shared but long remember how you made them feel? That's true, and that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Right? How are they going to benefit? Why are they even here? Mm-hmm. How are they going to benefit? I was on a show yesterday where the person told me they had recently gone to a conference and all six speakers talked about themselves. This mm-hmm. gentleman put out thousands of dollars to attend this three-day conference in another part of the country and got no benefit from the speakers whatsoever. That's a good point. Because they talked about so- themselves. So let's talk about that. Happens for a, a lot. Yes. Is that should you include stories about yourself if they are pertinent, like an example from your life, like the story you told about stuttering as a child. That was pertinent, Peter, because of the book you're writing. It, it is. And it might have a little to do with my why. So if it, it, it comes back to Patricia, it depends on what the presentation is going to look like. When I get to creating my talking points, maybe that is pertinent. Maybe it's not. I can't say on any given occasion it's going to be pertinent. I don't know. I have to wait for the answers. Same thing I tell my clients. You've got to get the answers from the the people you're speaking to and speaking for. So we can't say that. And that's what too many people try to do. My story is pertinent. Well, it is. And others, it'll do nothing but undermine you because it's not pertinent. So that's the key is making sure it meets the needs of your audience and the feelings of your audience. So, Peter, we've got a few minutes left. Go ahead. I just want to get your closing thoughts here. Middle management or, or the college students. They don't care that I, had, I started and that's how I got into it. They want to know what's in it for them. Mm-hmm. They don't care about why I started this. But, in that but case, if no, you're speaking to somebody, however, let's look at it the other way. To me, this is pertinent in the interview because it's about your book. And this is really what kind of catapulted you to even write this book or even have this interest. So in this case, exactly. I think it's very pertinent. Exactly. 100%. So to answer your question, is it pertinent in any given occasion? Who knows? 
It depends. Very good. Yeah, great. This is wonderful. Closing thoughts. What would you like to leave our listeners with today? For the people who say, okay, this is all great, but what's one thing I can take away? And I'm a strong believer in that one takeaway. One thing I can do starting today, breathe. Mm -hmm. Just breathe. Mm -hmm. Whether you are nervous about public speaking or you you understand that it's a mindset and you're excited when you get up and speak, just breathe. When you you breathe and you take deep breaths, if you've given birth or take yoga or meditate, you notice cleansing breaths, deep breaths help you relax, help you get control of your emotions, give you air to speak with, gives more oxygen to your brain and your heart. Breathe. You're going to do it anyway. You might as well do it thoughtfully. (laughs) Peter, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, Enlightening and inspiring and educational. Thank you. All right. Patricia, thank you for having me. Yeah. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest was Peter George, author of The Captivating Public Speaker, How to Engage, Impact, and Inspire Your Audiences. You can find me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com to get a copy of my newsletter, to find out what's going on in terms of my guests and my new podcast that I'm producing. Also, if you would like to produce your own podcast and you want to get your message out, I've interviewed about 5,000 people in my career, and I would love to help you. So write to me, Patricia at patriciaraskin.com and you can find me on Facebook Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources remember stay healthy stay happy get the support you need and know you can make your dreams come true until next time I'm Patricia Raskin bye for now thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.